from Montana for Montana. It's Voices of Montana. Hi, I'm Tom Schultz, host of the program. Thanks for clicking on the podcast. Please subscribe and please contact me here for show suggestions or comments at Tom at VoicesOfMontana.com. Talked about it a bit yesterday. Montana business, I don't know if you want to call it booming, but it's pretty healthy. There are a lot of reasons for that. I think one of the main reasons is because in Montana, it's important to us. It's important to um, all, uh, I think, our, our electorate. It's important to our legislators. Um, it's it's important to us for uh, uh, just our families and our communities. So the focus here today will be on business because we're at business days at the Capitol here at the Colonial Delta in Helena, Montana, today on Voices of Montana. Yeah, we do like to go 406, and this is a great event. Welcome, everyone. It is from Montana for Montana, Voices of Montana, two decades strong and, and working on three here. And uh, thanks for making us a part of your Montana mornings or afternoons or catch us on the podcast. Uh, got a good show lined up here. A bit later on, uh, Ken Bachner will join us and Kim Abbott. Ken is the Senate majority, uh, pro temp, uh, and uh, a minority leader out of the House is Kim Abbott. They're right now uh, not far off from us um, doing an eggs and issues uh, presentation, which is actually, one, I think, one of the highlights of uh, Business Days at the Capitol from Montana Chamber of Commerce. So they'll be joining us a bit later on. Uh, Tony Rosanova will join us uh, as well as we'll talk about uh, child care issues. He is from Zoot Enterprises. Um, Alex Duboy uh, will probably give us a call. She was going to be scheduled to be here. But because of the weather, and what weather? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like uh, it's not even going to warm up uh, above zero for the next couple of days. That's all right. We are completely okay. Now we're okay. Are you okay with that, Jesse? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. See, we're completely okay with that. And uh, Jesse is Jesse Luther uh, of the Taylor Luther Group and Board of the Directors on the Board of Directors for the Montana Chamber of Commerce. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great, Tom. How are you? Good. Thank you for being here. Really good turnout. I know the the weather um, today has is, is, uh, caused people to kind of head back a little bit early, but uh, yesterday was a great reception, and uh, and you've got a ton of. Um, breakout sessions and panels, I think, that highlights some of the things that, that we're working on here. You're doing one with Representative Lou Jones, who chairs the House Appropriations Committee, um, in, in a little while. And the mm-hmm. outlook on that is, it says, outlook for 2025. And I find that curious because um, all the issues that um, we're talking about here today, the, there is planning going on to tackle those issues in 2025. Um, what's that planning like? Um, you, you have to get out ahead of it, don't you? Definitely. You really have to start now, uh, in January of 2024, as you head into the next legislative session, and you have to start thinking about, you know, what is the political landscape going to look like? What issues are likely to get across the finish line or what may not have a chance given what the outcome of the elections are in November? So it's really twofold. You start, I think, planning your policies as a business or as a business organization and what you want to go after. But you also kind of have to start planning on who are we recruiting for office, who is going to be voting on these pieces of legislation, and what you know, what the voters of Montana are going to do, who they're going to vote into office to make these decisions. And, um, and I, as I'm talking to legislators here at a nice reception uh, last night, um, they're talking about what does your new district look like? And uh, um, they're, they're all saying that because that's something, uh, as you note here, you, you get the what going on, and then you have to figure out the how. And, the, yes. and that's part of it. So, so talk about if redistricting has um, made it better, worse, just different. 
Yeah, so every 10 years, based on the U.S. Census, um, a committee is appointed, and they redistrict the legislative districts based on population. I've already talked about how poorly they did that job. <laughs> um, so um, I'll just preface it with, with that. And we've, yeah. been, we've been on that issue uh, an awful lot. And um, I, in my opinion, that, that's something that probably could have been challenged. But nonetheless, yeah, it is what it is. Districts. And And the legislators are just accepting it because, well, that's what it is. And I don't mind because I'm one of, I, I represent all these people anyway. But mm-hmm. what, what, what does it do when, in the planning process? So what it does, I think most importantly from my perspective as an individual that lobbies these folks and works with them, is it changes the political makeup of the legislature. So last session in 2023, we had historic Republican supermajorities in both chambers of the legislature. And by virtue of redistricting, that's going to change. Um, so I think we'll expect more of a 60 Republican, 40 Democrat breakdown in the House, um, and maybe somewhere 20, 30 uh, Democrat to Republican in the Senate. So it kind of evens numbers out a little bit, which is good. I think that it's good to sort of reassess where these districts go because it changes based on where people move. And in my personal opinion, I always think that a little closer numbers are a little bit better because it really makes people be more thoughtful with the types of policies they're bringing forward because they know to get it across the finish line, you're going to need some of that bipartisan support. So you're probably going to have to find some common ground with your neighbors, just like Montanans do in their everyday lives. Right. And there was still a lot of that in that last session as well. And um, I don't necessarily want to look at look at that. Um, some of those issues, though, uh, that um, came out of that last session, they're discussing here as well. What do you see um, on the plate as, as rising again? I know we've got property taxes, and, and I, I know that that's going to take um, a broad-based discussion and some real thoughtful and hopefully honest um, discussion, too. I agree. I think property tax is probably going to be the number one issue for the 2025 legislative session. Uh, constituents all across the state are struggling right now. People were, I think, pretty surprised by the new appraisals that came out. So I think that that's something that's in the forefront of everyone's mind. I think that that will probably be the number one issue. Another major issue that is addressed is um, the continuation of Medicaid expansion, which provides health care coverage to low-income Montanans. It covers about 90,000 to 100,000 Montanans and allows them to seek preventative care. And that is set to sunset later in 2025. So the legislature is going to have to take up some legislation potentially to extend that sunset or choose not to act and let that program expire. So I think that that's going to be another major piece of legislation. And that is still facing the uh, sort of the same issues um, that was dealt with, uh, oh, was it four or six years ago um, uh, when, when they elected that expansion? And uh, I will say um, um, Ed Buttry, who may be listening, he's on his way back to Great Falls. Uh, he was on a panel yesterday, and I wanted to talk about that because I think it's important for the public to understand, um, you know, why, why that's important. Important to us, uh, can, uh, can, and, and Ed will join us at some point down the road. But because of roads and, and the, the weather, um, decided to head back this morning. So thank you, Ed, and we'll uh, look forward to that. He's a representative who was uh, uh, really let out on this one too. But um, what's um, what's the uh, sixty-second lowdown on on that expansion? So it provides healthcare coverage to low-income Montanans. So it has really expanded preventative care. So just your basic doctor checkups. So you're allowed to be seen before you're so sick, you're in the emergency department. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it also has provided a ton of care in the mental health care and substance use disorder space, getting treatment to those individuals. And I think it's really about the health of our workforce, because if you're sick, you're not coming into work consistently. So I think that it's really important to get our work healthy. And I know our, our rural hospitals um, have been a big proponent of that, and, and they struggle with these costs, uh, mm-hmm. you know, outside of that either way. They do, and the, the problem is when folks don't have a form of health insurance or health care coverage, they usually wait until they are so sick that they have to go to the emergency department, which is the highest cost of care that you can receive is an emergency department. And if you're not having coverage, but you can't afford to pay for it, the hospitals still have to provide coverage to you and take care of you, which mm-hmm. they're happy to do. Mm-hmm. But in those rural areas, I think that that you know, pre-expansion made the financial piece very difficult to, to make ends meet. And so in a lot of states that have not passed expansion, like Montana did, you see some of these rural hospitals in these small areas closing. That's uh, uh, important, and, and we'll track that uh, going on down the road because uh, it's one of those issues that to get the public behind a little bit, they have to understand it at um, a little deeper level than is mm-hmm. you know readily available to them. Uh, Jesse Luther is with us, Taylor Luther Group, a member of the Board of Directors for the Chamber of Commerce. As we're at business days at the Capitol here at the Colonial in Helena, Montana. Um, an election year upcoming. There's uh, some uh, ba- ballot initiatives uh, out there, and, and, and more than just some. There, so that becomes always um, an interesting, um, oh, I want to use a, a gaming type of, uh, of reference here, um, to, to the background on these elections, um, these mm-hmm. citizen initiatives. And um, what do you see in those? Yeah, there have been several citizen initiatives that have been submitted for review thus far. Um, I think two of the really big ones that are out there deal with elections. There's one that seeks to change our primary and general election system to a top four primary, um, which kind of negates the impact of a primary if you're going to have four options that you can vote on in the general election, but it also allows for more choice. So I think that that's a really interesting one out there for voters. Uh, sort of the companion to that is one that requires individual candidates win by at least 50% of the vote, so 50.1%. Um, right now, under the Constitution, you could win by what they call a plurality. So if both of those election initiatives actually pass, then that's something the legislature is going to have to consider in 2025 because we will need some sort of ranked choice voting or potential runoff elections that some other states participate in. So we'll really know who Montanans choose with over 50% of the vote. And that, and, and that will take some, some doing here. I mean, uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's to make sure um, they, because really to make that effective, you need both of those initiatives to pass, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and we'll talk more about that uh, going down the road, too. Um, what, else is, uh, what else is there that um, you would say when you look to 2025, um, you know, what's the hope? Um, what, uh, what else is rising to the top for us? So as far as issues rising to the top that I think the legislature will consider, um, there was a major court case uh, called the Held decision that was decided earlier this year that deals with greenhouse gas emissions, um, which are currently unregulated at both the state and federal level. But that court case has a lot of implications for Montana businesses, a lot of our natural gas, or excuse me, our natural resource industries um, could be impacted by that decision. Uh, It could give 
you know, some groups opportunities to stop permitting for certain things. So I think that that's something that, you know, when the court considers it on appeal, because it is on appeal, mm -hmm. they can't lay out what the standard is. That is the job of the legislature. Mm -hmm. So the yes. court can either agree with the district court or disagree with the district court, but then they'll provide some broad direction to the legislature, and the legislature will have to come back and actually provide guidance on what needs to be considered in those permitting decisions and those analyses. Ah, so. I find, I, yeah, and that's, again, not an easy job as well. Um, in tackling that, um, what steps do you think Montana kind of needs to, to follow? Or what are some of the, the foundations that would, would help move that issue along? You know, I think that is one of the most complicated issues in front of the legislature because it requires a level of expertise in a scientific background. Then it's also considering this is a Montana case based upon the Montana Constitution. And even if we eliminated all greenhouse gas emissions in the state of Montana, does that fix the broader problem for the nation, the world? You know, so it's, I think there's a lot of those large questions that they're going to have to grapple with. And I, I do not know the answers. I know, right? <laughs> and it is. It's a very large question. And it's an, not only just a state and national, it's a global question uh, as well. And it could come down to this, this case. And, and when, well, everybody's interested to see where it will go. It, it has the potential to end um, at the Montana uh, Supreme Court. Um, it which, does. Yeah. It does. And I think, I mean, why it matters for your listeners is this is going to be your electricity bills and how do we have, you know, heat for our homes on these minus 30 degree uh, weekends like we're facing. So it, it's a big deal. It's something folks should pay attention to. But yes. Unanswered questions. Yeah. Jesse, thank you for stopping in. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah. we'll look forward to chatting with you down the road. I mean, uh, you know, we talk about these issues, but there's work going on behind them, too, which is um, it, it, it's... People need to know that. It's not just talk, and, and this is a good place to see that work happening, isn't it? Definitely. There's been a lot of great discussions with the business community, legislators, and other elected officials here the last couple of days, and there's a lot of work going on, so rest assured your, yeah. your public officials are doing their jobs. Yes, they are. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate that. Uh, we'll take a break and come on back. We're going to move over to child care. Tony Rosanova uh, will join us here, and I think we'll get a, a phone call from uh, Alex Deboy uh, with Zero to Five Montana. I'll try to take that. She had to head back, too, because of the weather. Uh, we're back with more here from Business Days at the Capitol from Montana for Montana. It's Voices of Montana. Ladies, if you're looking for a way to grow yourself this year, I'd like to invite you to the first Montana Women in Business Summit, March 6th through the 8th in Bozeman. I'm Nancy Schlepp, Chair of the Montana Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors. The Women in Business Summit features amazing leaders from across our state, combined with opportunities for networking and connecting. Proceeds of the summit will go to support child care policy initiatives in the next Montana legislative session. Register at montanachamber.com. Welcome back again. Business days at the Capitol, live from Helena, Montana. Yep, we go 406, and there's a lot of issues that we are talking about on a daily basis on this program. Um, they're just kind of like, uh, well, it's just a mini session in all of them in these uh, two days here. I want to welcome Tony Rosanova with us here from uh, Zoot Enterprises. Uh, that's, uh, um, well, an IT resource uh, a center, and um, I think, I don't know if a lot of people know about the story. I really think they do because I think um, Zoot Enterprises has, has stood out um, as a 
real stable um, business and an innovator uh, in, in the industry. Tony, how are you, sir? Hey, good morning. Thank you. I'm doing great. Um, thanks for welcoming my son and love to talk about lots of things. Child care is what's, uh, what's up. And also, Alex Bois is with us, too, by phone. She's from Zero to Five Montana, appeared on this panel when you talked about child care solutions in Montana. She's the policy and engagement manager. And uh, uh, Alex, uh, can you hear us? Are you there? I'm here. Thanks for letting me call in this morning. I'm really excited to talk to you. How were the roads back to Butte? Oh, they were a little bit icy and pretty snowy, so um, I'm glad to be, be at home working today. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're, you're there, too, and, um, and, and I know you're praying for us to get home as well, so I appreciate that. Um, I, I want to start with you, Zero to Five in Montana. Um, why don't you explain and discuss some of the issues that businesses like uh, Tony and Zoot Enterprises are dealing with? And then, um, Tony, I'm looking forward to talking about some of the unique solutions that you guys have, have put forward there. But, um, Alex, what is um, the gist of the issue of child care um, challenges in Montana? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, child care is really the workforce behind the workforce, and we overall as a state are lacking accessibility and affordability for families that are working. And so one thing that our organization did is apply for a competitive grant through the Department of Health and Human Services to provide services to child care entrepreneurs, engage with employers, and engage with communities to really find unique solutions to help bolster our child care industry. And we know that, you know, 66,000 parents in Montana aren't engaging fully in the workforce due to family responsibility. And so child care is really connected to Um, our workforce and our economy. So um, I think one of our main goals is to really engage both the private and public sectors to come together and find some, some creative solutions. Well, and, and a report from the BBER, University of Montana Bureau of Business and Economic Research, um, noted the actual cost to our businesses and to our communities for inadequate child care. And so um, it, what's now in the discussion is actually, um, I think that, that financial um, aspect of it that says public and private partnerships are probably going to be necessary moving forward. Tony Rosanova, um, from a business standpoint, though, you can't always wait um, for, for things like that to happen. You, and, and people are your biggest resource. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly the issue is that these larger issues that affect all of us, we as individual business owners and um, companies need to start leaning in on our own problem. And the number one issue we had when we started this strategy, which was to build our own daycare and, and fund it ourselves, was retention of high-quality women employees. We were seeing that they were having to make a decision to leave the workforce to take care of their families. And as a family-owned business, having women have to make a decision to not have careers because they wanted to have a family too was something we didn't want to accept any longer. 
it negatively impacted the quality of the work and the environment we had because we lost the ability to have these highly talented individuals have continuity in their employment and get into management and help us lead our company. So what we did is we decided to tackle the problem by forming our own childcare, but then forming it in such a way that we could create a membership among other companies so that they could help cost share it, but also gain the same benefit that we got because we can't solve every problem, but there are problems we can solve. And one of them is helping our employees with having families. And I want to talk about that solution you came up with and, and because um, I find it um, unique and innovative in a way, but as we're discussing here too, um, the child care facility is on site and so your parents or your workers, I mean, um, that's a community and, yes. uh, and it's a safe and uh, a safe environment. So productivity is probably uh, up for things like that. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, think about the exciting part of because it's physically on site, you bring your child in, drop them off, go to work, on break, stop in the child care center and go say hi to your kid. Have lunch with your child. Um, and if they want, if they want that, the child may not want that at that well, point. Well, a lot you know? of times they don't. Right? They've got their friends and they're playing. Yeah. But, I mean, just if you say you have family values and you're putting family first, then you have to start acting out that. And just the continuity for our employees. And they get to be part of that. And they know that we're, we're in it with them. It's not free for the employees. They still pay. But we do subsidize it. Yes. As part of the benefits package that we offer. But they understand that we're trying to help them and they're trying to help us. And so it really helped us on a couple fronts because one of the fronts was there's high-cost housing issues in Bozeman, but there are also high-cost child care. Well, we can't fix the housing problem, but maybe we can put more money back into your wallet by helping you with the child care piece. Um, and just trying to be creative. Alex Dubois, um, Policy and Engagement Manager, 05 Montana. Talk about that model. Now, that's mostly a, a private model, uh, but not there's smaller businesses may not have that sort of resource. Um, communities are not just looking for health, um, child care for um, you know their workers, so to speak. Uh, I think you need child care in your community for a lot of other reasons. What um, what what do you take from this model that others can can employ in Montana? Yeah, you know, Zoot and Tony at Zoot is a real leader in finding these child care supports for employers. But like you said, Montana has a lot of small businesses that just might not be able to offer that on-site or near-site child care. But there are a lot of family-friendly business practices that any employer can start implementing um, within their organization that really helps families balance their home life and their work life, and that's something that we're working with and on, and to just help them go through the process of, could you offer flexible scheduling so your, your really talented employees that need to drop their kids off at school at 8 be able to come in at 8.15, or are you supporting breastfeeding in the workplace? Is there a place for a mom to be able to do that? So um, there's lots and lots of um, policies and practices that employers can, can offer. And um, there's some really creative options to bolster childcare in the community. To You could save a couple slots in a childcare facility for employees, or you could offer some 
um, administrative help for a child care provider because sometimes they just need that business support that you may be able to offer. So I think the sky's the limit to some creative solutions to, to be involved in this, in this uh, issue. Got about a minute and a half, Tony. Um, how has it worked? Um, how uh, productivity is up? How do you measure it? Um, and, and then also, um, it's, it's another aspect of business that um, probably is, you don't, it's not what you uh, kind of bargain for, right? Yeah, it's not your core competency, but it's worked really well. Um, it's helped our business, but it's helped um, uh, more than a dozen other businesses retain and recruit talent. We have people who choose to apply for jobs at Zoot because they know we can help them with the secondary problem. And that's really important. I guess one quick shout out to Alex and Zero to Five. The policies they've got, the ideas they've got for businesses, if you're a business looking for an answer, you've got to ask the Zero to Five for some, some oh. information because they've got some great information. The second piece, back to that core competency, what made this work for us as a company is we had a passionate advocate on staff. Rebecca Nelson, She's the wife of our founder and CEO. She was passionate about solving this problem. And without that passion, you don't have the courage to keep fighting the fight because it is expensive, but we can find ways to make it work. Boy, and, and I hear over and over, it comes down to people. It comes down to how much people care. Yep. Yeah, and I'm glad you found them. You yeah. know, and, and, and make a way for them to come to you as well. Tony Rosanova again with Zoot Enterprises, Alex Du Bois, a policy engagement manager with Zero Five Montana. Back with more here in just a bit. Voices of Montana continues right after this. Mountain Health Co-op. At Mountain Health Co-op, we're proud to provide quality health insurance that fits your needs at premiums you can afford. Offering a selection of plans for individuals and families where members have access to dental and vision exam reimbursement options. Many zero-cost share medications, telehealth benefits, and more. The window for securing insurance is closing fast. Visit mountainhealth.coop to enroll before the January 15th deadline. Mountain Health Co-op, proudly local just like you. Hey, thanks for making us part of your Montana mornings, or it's afternoons, or sometimes it's in the evening. Uh, appreciate that an awful lot. Two decades strong and working on three. Yes, it did get a little bit noisy. The eggs and issues segment here of Business Days at the Capitol just wrapped up. A couple of people uh, who were on that panel, Representative Kim Abbott, House District 83, the House Minority Leader, and Senator Ken Bogner, State uh, Senator, District 19 out of Miles City, President Pro Tep. Uh, just got a little bit noisy in here, so we'll have to speak it up. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm delighted to see you, Tom. Yeah, you I miss too. you. Yeah, I know. Why don't you, you call know? me more often? I should call you more yeah. often. Yeah, Ken, do, how are you? I'm doing well. Still coming off the high of uh, being on a, the Eggs and Issues panel. I've never done it before. Uh, Representative Abbott's done it four times. <laughs> yeah, uh, right? Yeah. So I uh, learned a little bit from her, but it was enjoyable. Yeah, and congratulations to you, by the way. I, I, I know this wasn't part of it, but you uh, threw your hat in the ring there. Um, good luck in that race. Uh, what is, and I'll ask you both this question, what is the value of uh, true public service? Uh, well, thank you. Uh, I did get in uh, this, uh, this congressional race. congressional race, yes, yeah. Correct. Just yes. recently, too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, public service is just so important to me. Uh, it's why I joined the, the Marine Corps. Uh, it's just I want to give back to the people in the country that have done so much for me. Uh, I wouldn't be where I am without them. Uh, we live in the greatest country in the world. And it depends on people who step up and you know, give their time and their effort. And I, I just, 
I want to be a part of that, and I think it's so important to our country. So I, I try to do what I can to, to return that. Kim, I'm going to ask you the same question, too, because I know you've been a representative for a number of years and led the House last year and probably a pretty difficult year, as you said, punched above your weight uh, <laughs> uh, during that time. Yeah. Uh, what's the value to you? Yeah, well, first, yeah, congrats, Ken, on, um, on getting in the race. And I, I have the same shirt as you in your announcement photo. Oh, you do? Yeah, but not the truck, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, so. man, you need one of those um, trucks. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, public service. I mean, it's it's. I think we've talked about it before, uh, Tom. It's it's just been one of the the values of my family. Um, I'm the only person in my family who's not, um, you know, a teacher or a firefighter or you know, a police officer. And um, mo most everyone is in public education. Yeah. And so um, I, I was kind of a mystery to everyone until I did this. Uh. I think when you get into this work. And I said it on the panel, everyone, no matter what perspective they're coming from, is there to be a good actor and to solve problems in their community. Um, and that's where I think, you know, Ken and I can work together, even though we disagree on a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. because we're there for the same reason. You know, I want to deliver for, for Helena and for my constituents. He wants to live in Miles City and his constituents. And, you know, um, I think that's a good starting point. And there's a lot of people in that building um, that... They want to do that, you know, they want to achieve something across the aisle. Yeah. And everything a Democrat passes, you know what I say, it's got to be bipartisan, <laughs> you know. Well, and, and, you know, and there's a lot of issues that um, that did pass with bipartisan support, too. And I, I talk about that a lot more. I think not the people um, recognize that because it's those issues that flow to the top that are controversial. So instead of really talking about some of those issues, we've done that before. Yeah. Let's talk about how we solve those issues then. Mm -hmm. Kendall, how... Um, I mean, it takes, what does it take, some consensus? Does it take a little bit of hard work? Does it take good policy people? How do you solve these issues? And I know it, it doesn't happen overnight. No, it doesn't. And it takes relationships. Yeah. And that takes time. And you have to be willing to go introduce yourself to the other side and know that you know, you're going to have some conversations that might be hard. But as Representative Abbott mentioned, we're all there for you know, the right reasons to make Montana better. So you start building those relationships, you start floating ideas, and you find the ones that you can agree on, you can come together enough to, to solve a problem that will benefit Montana. And that's why we're there. So it takes time and relationships. Yeah, and, and you know, when you're talking about um, 1,100 bills that you have to read and pass, you know, 750 or whatever it was, um, th those relationships can be tried at times, Kim. How, how, how do you stay civil? Um, absolutely. I think that um, when, you're, when you're in the heat of it, um, it can be very easy to take things personally. It can be very easy um, to overreact to something. I think it's, um, you know, part of what, what saves us is the decorum of the debate. You know, it really is meant to diminish the personal nature of it and elevate the policy nature of it. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that the people that are the most successful in that building, A, just like Ken said, prioritize relationships, prioritize listening, prioritize meeting people where they're at, um, and then B, are willing to go directly to um, the person that there's a problem with or there's an issue with um, and, and you know, not let them hear it from someone else, tell the truth. I, I always say to our caucus, the new folks that come, um, the fastest way to destroy your ability to do good things for your community is to lie in this building. Mm. It all happens too fast, um, the stakes are too high, and you just have to tell the truth um, because that's how you get people coming back to you and respecting you. That's how you get good information. That's how you get things done. 
Kim Abbott, the representative of Kim Abbott, House District 83, House Minority Leader, and Senator Ken Bogner, Senate District 19, President Pro Tem here, uh, Business Days at the Capitol. Um, kind of want to talk about some of these issues, too. Uh, and different people have different expertise uh, on, on these. Um, where, where do you get, Ken, um, you're going to get information from the experts? And, you know, people say it's a lobbyist, but uh, that's, that's misleading because they are people who can inform the debate. And so it's important to, to have that as well. But your constituents, um, uh, what do you use to fuel your um, information? Uh, in solving some of these issues? I've found that I'm most effective when I get the most amount of inputs for information. Uh, that's constituents. As I mentioned on the panel, I had an idea for a, from a bill uh, because of a constituent. And they're the ones who walked me through it. Uh, I really understood the, the problem from them, and we came up with a solution. But other times when I listen to those experts, uh, the lobbyists, uh, you know, there's good ones, there's bad ones, but they are experts in their field, and I, I learn from them what their issues are. Uh, I get stuff from the media, from you, what the people are saying. It's really important to get so many different perspectives. And the more perspectives you get, the better legislation that you can come up with that will, that will make more people's lives better and solve those problems that they're facing. Yeah, I mean, I agree that there, there are good things and bad things about a citizen legislature, and there are good things and bad things about term limits, and the bad thing about both is, um, you know, we don't have the kind of staff support that a full-time sort of legislature oh, would have, right. yeah. mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, and the term limits, like, just when you start to get your head above water and understand what you're doing, you're termed out, like, I'm termed, I'm like, oh, I'm finally good at this, yeah. goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's, it, it again goes back to honesty for me. Like I, I rely on, you know, we're at chamber days. Um, I rely on the chamber for a lot of information and we have to have a trusting information. We have to have a trusting relationship because if I get that information, I'm not going back to you mm -hmm. again. You know, it, it just all moves too fast and there's too much going on. And so just being honest and direct, I think is the best way to succeed in that building. And, and I've tried to operate that way. I think Ken operates that way. Um, and, and that's the way you get things done from my perspective. That's what I love about Montana and that legislature. I, I think that for the vast majority, that's how they're operating. You guys are both in leadership. Um, can talk about um, how leadership um, is important in a legislative process. It's like herding cats, I presume, uh, you know, as they say. It's absolutely like herding cats. <laughs> as Kim just talked about, we're a citizen legislature. We're not in that building every day. So, well, during the session we are, but outside yeah. of session, everyone goes back to their regular lives and their regular jobs. So you have to reach out and continue to build those relationships with the members of the legislature when you're not in session. Uh, I learned a lot of valuable lessons um, in the military that are, have you know, transitioned really well to the legislature when we are in session and having to do with different personalities and people who have different interests because they're representing different parts of the state. So you really have to be fluid and flexible um, in your leadership style because things change so fast. Sometimes we're in session, sometimes we're not. And people are representing districts that are not similar to yours. And I presume uh, it doesn't matter the, the issue, the leadership values um, are probably the same, huh? Yeah, remember when I brought the speaker on? Yeah. And you were like, what? And yeah, I was like, right? no, the vast majority of the stuff that we do in a leadership position is we help define what our caucus 
goals and values are, and we are responsible for, for you know, stating those and articulating those over and over again. But the biggest chunk is administrative work to make that building yeah. run. Yeah. Um, so I worked with a speaker who we disagree on so many things, but you know that we get along really well, you know? And we both went into that relationship knowing that we had to figure out a good professional relationship to make sure that our caucus's voices were heard, that the house ran effectively, and we did that pretty pretty good most of the time. <laughs> Ran into a couple hang-ups there uh, toward the end. Oh, we don't have time to talk about those hang-ups. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry about yeah. it. I'm so sorry about it. Um, but I, I do want to take a break and come on back. There's a guy named Joe Flacco who's leading the Browns to the playoffs and maybe oh even to the World Championship. Oh, my God. Who knows? Uh, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> Representative Kim Abbott, a big Browns fan, if you followed our conversations throughout the legislature. Senator Ken Bogner, we'll see if he's got a, a, a horse in this race as well. Uh, Senate District 19, President Pro Tem. And we'll get back to issues here, too, uh, that they'll be facing in 2025 and on a daily basis here in Montana. It's from Montana for Montana, Voices of Montana. Hey, parents. Does it seem like your kiddos always get sick at the worst times? Recently, my daughter came down with a bad cold over the weekend, but I didn't feel like it warranted an expensive ER visit. That's when I remembered about Montana Pediatrics. Within minutes, I was able to connect with a Montana-based pediatric provider. We got great care, a thoughtful treatment plan, and didn't even have to leave home. Learn how Montana Pediatrics can support your family at montanapediatrics.org. All right, welcome back. Again, from Montana for Montana, Voices of Montana, Tom Schultz alongside uh, and a, uh, a real great business day is at the Capitol. A lot of great uh, breakout sessions and panel sessions and really good attendance here, too, and the weather's been fantastic. Representative Kim Abbott is with us, House District 83, House Minority Leader, Senator Ken Bogner as well as we wrap this up. He's uh, President Pro Tem in Senate District 19. Um, and uh, just coming back off this Eggs and Issues panel, which to me is kind of like the highlight uh, to have you guys up there and talking all these issues and taking questions from the audience as well. Um, did anybody ask you, Kim, about the Browns? Not one single person asked me about the Browns. Uh, I should have grabbed a mic in you there. Should've. Yeah. You should have. Yeah. What about them? Um, they are in the playoffs, Tom. I don't know if you remember maybe four years ago, the first time we were ever on, I said that I could do the work of being the voice of the minority because I was... Uh, I was a Browns fan, and that gave me thick skin and a resilient nature. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so now, just four years later, the Browns are headed into the playoffs uh, on Saturday. I'm excited. I don't, I, I I don't know if we'll win or not, but, like, it's going to be fun. And, and Joe Flacco, you know, who knew? Who yeah, knew? right. Well, uh, Ken Bogner uh, apparently knew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds I, like it. I did. I went and I bought a lottery ticket uh, <laughs> after that Joe Fl first Joe Flacco game for them. Uh, one lottery ticket for them to go to the Super Bowl and one ticket for them to win the Super Bowl. So I, I'm, I'm rooting for them. Oh, Ken, what are you doing Saturday? Uh, watching the Browns game. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and your team? I'm, I'm a Lions fan. I grew up a Lions fan because of Barry Sanders, and I'll never forgive him for that. Oh, uh, yeah. But we, right. also, we also made the playoffs this year for the first time in a long time, so we're excited about where we're headed. Division uh, winner, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, yeah. yeah, been a while. Yeah, yeah. That's good. It's fun to talk about that. Um, we, we talked about a lot of issues, and we do it on, like, on a regular basis here, too. But w with uh, two of our leaders here, let me talk about taxes. And um, I I've said that it's not something that's going to uh, be solved overnight, and uh, the governor's getting some data out there. I think we all need that. Um, what what do we need to solve this issue, Representative Abbott? 
Well, I think we need um, a solid assessment of, of where we're at currently. And um, where we're at currently is there's a dramatic sort of imbalance with, uh, you know, class four residential property um, tax. Uh, the valuation has increased um, far more quickly than other classes of property, which has caused a shift. And so um, I think what we need to do is address that. You know, we talked over the session and the session before about our ideas on that. And our ideas are really about trying to minimize the impact on families whose incomes aren't rising as quickly as their property values. And we have a couple mechanisms for doing that. We propose those. Um, they often get bipartisan support in the interim. And then once we get into the heat of the session, it sort of erodes. But I think you'll see us working towards that again. Um, but you also have to look at um, the full breadth of our tax um, policy in the state. And yeah. I think that's really important too. The interim Re revenue committee does that. And I look forward to participating in that um, off and on in the interim. And Senator Bogner, I was going to throw that to you as well. Um, there, there are a couple of ways you can do it. You can look at some of these um, maybe temporary or smaller steps, um, but a big uh, conversation has to happen. I don't know if we need to make big moves, but I think a big conversation has to happen about our tax structure in Montana. Yeah, absolutely. Our tax is complicated. Our tax structure is complicated. Uh, you know, as a legislature, we're really curious to see what the governor's task force um, exposes yeah. and it's probably not going to lead to a one-size-fits-all fix, uh, but it's going to help us understand where we can start you know, making those changes to make it a little simpler, understand what's going on, and reduce those taxes for Montanans. And, and, and then that, that helps on down the line, doesn't it, Kim? Um, in terms of child care, in terms of housing, um, you know... Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, some of the biggest challenges for our economy right now are access to housing, access mm -hmm. to childcare, and obviously property taxes um, are intersect with both of those issues um, in a variety of ways. So I think, you know, we need to take a holistic approach. There's not a silver bullet. I agree with Ken. Um, it's going to take hard work. I would invite the governor to just come to the revenue interim committee and probably you don't need a whole new task force, but... Um, you know, that's a legislative committee that does that day in and day out. And I think that you have you have experts and you have the ability for folks to come in and they, they put out a lot of really good policies each and every interim um, that, that usually have bipartisan support. And, you know, it's, it's not something we're going to fix um, with, with one policy. Um, and it's probably, unfortunately, not going to be something that we fix entirely in one cycle. Gotcha. Um you guys, I look forward to chatting with you down the road, and, and, and please use this forum for public education on these issues and, and to get public feedback on it as well, because um, I, I appreciate that you guys are, and, and Ken, thank you for your service in the Marine Corps as well, but public servants and dedicated public servants, um, thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Tom. Happy yep. to come on anytime. All right, and uh, good luck in your race. All right, thanks, Tom. All appreciate right, Browns, it. Lions, and... Cowboys. See you guys later. You've been listening to Voices of Montana. Comments and opinions heard are those of the host or callers, and not necessarily those of this station, sponsors, or Northern News Network. Join us Monday through Friday at 9.06 for Voices of Montana. Thanks again for joining us for the podcast, and join us daily Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. for more Voices of Montana, a live issue-oriented talk show heard daily Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. on local stations all across Montana.